0: Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.mg. You know, just in my heart, what approach I'd like to take in this Easter conference, and... um I'd like to take a very theological approach, uh, knowing the fact that a lot of us have been Christians for quite a number of years, and even if we're not, if we've not been Christians for a long time, I don't think that uh, the resurrection of Jesus is an issue to us. Uh, but I would convincing theological framework in our mind as a church on why is the resurrection of Jesus a big deal? Why is it a big deal? And so, we will just start to lay the foundation tonight, finish tomorrow, and then on Sunday we see how the Lord leads us. First of all, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So, I'm going to read a a few things that's might uh, just be straight theological theories, but they would help you in understanding why the resurrection of Jesus is a big deal. And I've always said that in Christianity, there are two major, what you would call, festivals that people celebrate a lot. Uh, Or that we celebrate, let me not use people. The first one is... The Christmas celebration And then the other one is the Easter celebration But what you realize Over time is that we actually uh, Put a lot of emphasis on the Christmas celebration So it's usually very big You know, we, we, we try to get good dresses we, You know, it's, it's really big uh, Why the Easter uh, holiday, we actually use it to, to go to the village. That's the, the, the default approach of Easter is less travel. Uh, do, do you understand what I'm saying? There is no, there's no much emphasis on it. And the reason is because of the, the, the teaching and the convictions. And the other thing is because we actually have um, all the people who are not Christians celebrate Christmas with us So banks will get involved You know, all kinds of organizations will get involved So it's very big And because it's that big Unknown to us The emphasis of even um, believers Is more on Christmas Than on Easter Meanwhile Meanwhile Easter Is the foundation of the Christian faith So I'm going to show you from Paul's argument On why that is So we're discussing the power of his resurrection Alright Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8 Let me start from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8 So what I want to do in these three days Is to establish some theological foundations, and doctrinal foundations. So, First Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 8, Paul says, Paul was talking about the kinds of wisdom. Let's start reading from verse 1, if you don't mind. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Now, Paul says something that we quote all the time, but it's very important. He says, for I determined, I determined, this was my determination, to know nothing among you. Now, what Paul was saying to the Corinthians church is that, hey, you know what? I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I want to know. Jesus and him crucified. Then he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. He says, So that your faith will not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Now look at verse 8. It says the wisdom. Which none of the rulers of this age has understood. So Paul says the wisdom that we're proclaiming to you. And you know Paul calls the cross. The message of the cross. Foolishness. To those who are perishing. Wisdom. So he's actually talking about the message of the cross. But it says that this wisdom, which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Paul was trying to write to the Corinthians that, you know what, if these people understood the implications of the cross and the effect of the cross on the human race, they would not have attempted to crucify Christ. Which means, they did not even understand the implication of the cross. Or what the cross would bring to the human race. And sadly today, we also find out, not, not quite, you know, maybe some believers do not really also understand the implication of the cross. You know, I wrote something, and I was Without joking with you, but I was serious that, you know, so sometimes you're going to see teams, you know, scriptural teams, um, program teams this weekend. Jesus has set you free, the power of his resurrection. You're going to see those wonderful teams. And by next Sunday, you're going to see altar versus altar. I mean, so the work of the cross is just going to be undone in seven days. That's not consistent. And then we go on until next year, Easter, where we talk about the cross. So the Bible says that if they had understood, they would not have crucified the the King of Glory. That means that they did not understand the spiritual implications of the cross in their minds. They thought they were just putting a criminal on the cross to death. Now, Let's go to First Corinthians 15, which is actually the scripture for our discussion. We're going to read from verse 1. We're going to read a lot of scripture, so just bear with me, please. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, and we're going to stop at verse 19. And as I read, I'll, I'll pause to make some explanations. Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you receive in which also you stand. So Paul says, I'm preaching the gospel to you. The gospel that I preach to you is the gospel you receive and is the gospel with which you stand. Why is he saying that it's the gospel you stand? Because they needed to believe the message of the gospel. Remember what he said to the Galatians. Oh, you foolish Galatians, right? Um, Who has bewitched you. So Paul was saying the gospel you heard is the gospel that you're standing on. So, the gospel is not just something we hear so that we can make heaven. The gospel is something that becomes the foundation of our faith. We stand on it. It's the anchor of our soul, praise God. Now, verse 2, it says, By which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, look at this, unless you believed in vain. Unless you believed in vain. Now pay attention to that phrase, believed in vain. So pay attention to that phrase. We'll come back to it. Verse 3, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. So it's important to understand that the gospel Paul received in 1 Corinthians 15, chapter one, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 is what Paul is attempting to explain now in verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance that what I also received, comma, That Christ died for our sins According to the scriptures And I've told you all the time That when you see scriptures In the writings of the apostles of Jesus And the epistles Always remember that the the word scriptures Refers to the Old Testament Praise God Are you still here? Say amen So, scriptures refer to the Old Testament. Now, see how Paul argues his case. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So, the death of Christ for our sins, we believe that because it is recorded in the scriptures. Pay attention to that. That's very important. Verse 4. It says, And that he was buried... And that he was raised on the third day. See that phrase again. According to what? According to what? According to scriptures. Okay. So it's important to understand that in verse four, in verse three and verse four, Paul talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus. But he pins into the fact that this gospel. Go back to uh, chapter fifteen, verse one, the gospel which I received. The gospel which I preach The gospel which you stand He is clarifying the gospel You see and, And you know sometimes when I take my time to emphasize this It's very important because You should understand That many times many people preach Many things and call it the gospel The scriptures always Defines what the gospel is The gospel is very simple It is the death It is the burial and it's the resurrection Of Jesus That's the gospel Praise the name of the Lord. So Paul says that, he it defines the gospel. He says, for I deliver to you, verse 3, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to save us. We're going to talk about this as we progress in the message. To there is Peter. Then to the twelve. So Jesus appeared to save us, and then to the, to the twelve. After he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now That means those he appeared to were alive As of when Paul was writing But some have fallen asleep That means some are dead Then he appeared to James Then to all the apostles Now you would wonder Why is Paul And that's really why we're studying What we're studying tonight Why was Paul Listing everybody That Jesus appeared to Why do you think he's important why will he say, Paul, uh, Jesus appeared to this person, and appeared to that person, and appeared to this person, and appeared to these people? And why was he listing them? Why was he mentioning names? If he had said, Jesus died and rose according to scriptures, okay, what was Paul trying to prove? Are you following this? So it means that if Paul was telling us that when Jesus resurrected, he appeared to some people, there was a reason Jesus had to appear to them. And that is why Paul had to say it. Now let's go on. We'll talk about that extensively. He says, And last of all, as to one untimely born. He was referring to himself. He calls himself as one untimely born. You know, interesting. Uh, interesting Greek word Paul uses there, which can also mean abort, miscarriage, and all of those stuff. But he says, one untimely born, he appeared to me also. He says, from the list of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Interesting. That with all the work Paul did, with all the power Paul saw, he said he was the list of the apostles. Praise God <laughs> You think if we saw all Paul saw Did all what Paul did Wrote all what Paul had written We would consider ourselves list of the apostles Do you think so Do you think you would consider yourself list of the apostles If you did half of what Paul did If a snake tried to bite you And you shake it into the fire Would list be something that would come to your mind Or super Super Yeah he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now, I, I need you to pay attention. He says, whether it was me doing the preaching... Or they were the ones doing the preaching. It wasn't important. We preached and you believed. Now, why was he saying that? Because the gospel is essentially the same. Whether it was the other apostles that preached it, or I was the one that preached it, it's the same. The dead, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Now, he goes on to say, Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? So, this will tell us, this will tell us that there were certain people who were saying that there was no resurrection of the dead. Will I be correct to say that? Come on, will I be correct to say that? Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say so that means there were some among them that were saying there was no resurrection of the dead. And if that word that they were saying, that there was no resurrection of the dead, was not a big deal, Paul would not have written an epistle to answer that question. So that means it was a big deal. Let, let me explain something to you that you don't know. Maybe you know, but you're not conscious of. Let me explain something to you. There is a very strong, massive attack against the Christian faith. We all have to deepen our convictions. You see, the more I, I see people who used to preach the gospel start saying all kinds of things, I'm amazed if they ever believed. Praise the name of the Lord. If you see what's going on in the developed societies, the way... uh, Every day they keep tuning down. Take my mic down a little bit. I think it's too high. Every day they keep tuning down. Every day they keep um, bringing things that are not there, there. And there's pressure. And so it's very important that we... As believers, deep in our faith, and that's one of my resolve. You know, I was telling Pastor. I said, you know, I can I can leave you to be doing some of it. I really want to start teaching things that will deepen believers' conv- conviction. Because when I see people, who, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about uh, I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about people we used to preach the gospel together. Stand now and preach. Said in fact, I, I, I wrote something on, on, on this whole subject. And, and then someone was, telling me, someone was telling me someone we used to preach together was telling me where well, there is the legal position of what Christ has done and there is the real life experience I'll give you a simple example how many of you not in this church but how many of you know sometimes people preach what you call spirit husband have you, have you heard that some of you were married before to spirit husband Take my, mic off. Take my mic off. Take my mic off. It's too low. Just stay there until I tell you it's okay. All right. Now, when you listen to that, okay, do you realize that Jesus said you are the bride of Christ? That's fine. Do you realize Jesus said you're the bride of Christ? When last did you hear that you are the bride of Christ? Do you know you are actually married to a spirit man? His name is Jesus. How many of you think it will... <laughs> I hope you don't misunderstand that. But how many of you think that would do you good? To just know that, you know, I, you know how we sing it. I am married to Jesus Satan, leave me alone. <laughs> But now the problem is you now say my husband is coming to take me home like your husband sent you abroad and is working he's working in heaven. You he say stay stay on the earth first. I'm coming. Just be working. I'll be sending you money. That, there's a problem with that line. So do, do, let's not sing that line because we're one with him, right? We are not married to Jesus. Then He went somewhere. You know how it is now. Just say, my dear, just be aware. But building a has for you in heaven. Once we are ready, we'll come and take you. Just stay with your father first. Eh? You know that's not it. God, Jesus has not done small thing on our head. <laughs> I don't know if some of people understand that, but if you don't understand it, blessed be your heart. But you get what I'm saying. The scripture says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly place. How many of you think the body of believers will be stronger if we know we're married to Jesus? How I many of you know if you are hearing that you have spirit husband all the time? All kinds of things are going to happen. Praise God. Alright, let's read. 1 Corinthians 15. That's right. it says, but, Verse 13 says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14. And, look at this, look at this. And if Christ has not been raised, he says, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith also is in vain. Did you see that? Paul says, if there was no resurrection, go to verse 1 again. Verse, verse 1. Let's read verse 1 very quickly to so verse 2. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. What was it saying? That means they did not believe in vain. What will make a man believe in vain? Go to the, the next verse, verse 14. Go to verse 14. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Then your faith is also in vain. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying without the resurrection, there is no Christian faith. I've always told you here, and I'll talk about the implications of of the cross tomorrow, but it's not the fact that Jesus was on the cross that made you a believer. It was the fact that he rose from the dead. Are you hearing this now? Now, let's read on, we'll come back to this verse. I want us to read this verse in many translations, but let's just finish our reading. Verse 15, Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. So he's saying if this resurrection did not happen, then we are false witnesses. Now, can you cast your mind back to verse... um, From verse 5 to verse 9, where Paul was listing the people who witnessed the resurrection. Do you see why he had to list those people now? Do you see why Paul did not just say, Jesus rose from the dead, believe. No, no, no. He had to list those people because he's saying, if this resurrection is not true, then those witnesses and myself will be false witnesses. And you know, under the Jewish law, a false witness ought to be stoned to death. You know, if we're st- under the old covenant, some of you would not say the things you are saying. That's why if you thank God for Easter. You say things you, you are not sure. They will stone you to death. It's called false witness. And, and that's what Paul was saying. Now, verse sixteen: For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not. Uh, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, Look at verse 17. It says, Your faith is worthless. Can you see that? See, look at the implication of Jesus' resurrection. It says, if Jesus was not raised, it says your very faith is worthless. What it means is that your faith is not worth anything. That means the worth of our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus. It says, then If your faith is worthless, then you are still in your sins. Are you still here? Come on, are you following this now? What is he trying to say? He's trying to say that the resurrection of Jesus is what gives us our freedom from sin. And we'll talk about that as we progress. That if Jesus was not raised... Then our faith is useless And then we're still in our sins Praise God Now let's go to verse 14 I, I want us to read it from other translations Read it from um, The NIV I think you, ha- you guys have the NIV right Let's read it from the NIV first Do you have the NIV? It says And if Christ Has not been raised Look at the words of Paul. What did Paul say our preaching is? I didn't hear that. What did he say our preaching is? Useless and what? So is your faith. So Paul is saying that if there was no resurrection, our preaching is useless and your own faith is useless. Do you have the good news translation? If you have it, you can put it up. It says, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead... He says, then we have nothing to preach. Now, this is interesting. How can Paul say we have nothing to preach? The, the, the resurrection of Jesus was just one event in the life of Jesus. Now, pay very close attention here. Don't misunderstand me, but pay close attention. He says, and if Christ had not been raised, good new translation, from the dead, then we have nothing to preach and you have nothing to believe. That means that if we preach only the miracles of Jesus... And his resurrection had not taken place; there would be no gospel. there would be no gospel because the gospel is what God did in Christ for man in His death, burial, and resurrection. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There were many fantastic events that took place in the life of Jesus that could make a message. You know, I'm saying something to Pastor Mary. <laughs> this guy interested. You know, sometimes we find these things that we just share among ourselves and I was you know quite interesting it's, it's, a, it's, it's a believer but he's a comedian so he was talking about how sometimes uh, uh, we can preach for any, from anything right so he was talking about how he wanted to use his laptop then he discovered you know it was very, in a very funny way, he discovered that his laptop was not plugged the power was down alright and uh, so what he was saving shut down Okay, so he, he, he find the charger, okay? He was doing all of this with, you know, this black, black American preaching uh, voice. So he found the charger, plugged the charger, power came back, and he discovered that, you know, uh, his, his items was auto-saved, and therefore he auto-recovered. So he now said, well, there might be people here who, you understand where he's going? Uh my people here, whose life feels battered, shattered, who have been through hell and high water, immediately you plug back. You understand that? And you know you can preach a whole message like that. It will look good, but it's not the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It will look good, but it's not the gospel. What I'm trying to say is, Paul says, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, he says, we will have nothing, nothing to preach. How can Paul says if Jesus had not risen from the dead, we will have nothing to preach? Jesus raised the dead. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus did many miracles. He healed the leper. He preached. Do you understand this? There were many things we could talk about, but Paul says, those things are not the message. They are beautiful things, but they are not the message. That the message is the resurrection. So you can see why the resurrection of Jesus was fought by the Jews. Because that is the gospel. That is the gospel. Now you will see why it was intentional that Jesus showed himself to people that he had risen. Because that was what was going to birth the gospel. Now, uh, do you have the amplified version? I don't know which of the Amplified you have. But your Amplified, Amplified, they are not always... Okay, I think it's correct now. Then we need to get the Amplified Classic translation later on, but this is fine. Let's work with this. Look at what it says. It says, if Christ had not risen, then our preaching is in vain. Then he uses the word it amounts to nothing. And your faith... This is what I like about the Amplified. It says, your faith is devoid of truth. It lacks truth. So it means that the resurrection of Jesus is what gives validity to the gospel. It says and is fruitless. Then it says without effect. It is empty. It is imaginary and it is unfounded, which means it has no foundation. So you can see the importance of the resurrection of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said, "Our religion is not based upon opinions, but upon facts." We hear persons person sometimes say, those are your views and these are ours. Whatever your views may be is a small matter. Is a small matter. What are the facts of the case? What are the facts of the Christian faith? You know, we've, we, we've, 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 um, we are in a generation where pra- people practically deny that the Bible is true. We're in a generation that people deny that Jesus is Lord. You know, I never had that encounter growing up in a pastor's home. Of course, you can't say that the Bible is not true, except you want to make you want to meet your maker that day, <laughs> right? So, uh, never. The first time I ever had to think about that was the first time I traveled out of the country. I was in. Um, we went for this NGO function, World Bank Anti-Corruption Youth Summit in Brussels. In Belgium. So we were all sitting there, and then, um, you know, so usually we'll come out for the day events and go back to our rooms. I just got married there, not quite, which mean, not quite long got married. And um, so I had a roommate who was a bit close to me, we're all in one room. Um, so he came out and said, Oh, we, we're going out, we're, we're going to drink. So I said, Oh, no, I don't drink. I said, ah, Okay, if you don't drink, do you smoke? I said, I don't smoke. Ah, what about girls? I said, No. Oh, your life must be boring. You know, I've never thought of it that way. So I said, no, it's not boring. I said, I'm a Christian. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. Okay. Then the next day we're eating. So he says, so you believe the Bible? I said, yes, I do. He said, what is the story in the Bible is not true? Ah. Do you know for the first time, the first time in my entire life, He said wait, you may have a point. <laughs> I didn't say you had the point, but you see, for the first time, I was like, yeah. So, if it was just made up by some people, <laughs> you know, for the first time, my faith was, he was convinced in what he was saying. Then I asked myself, that day, so what makes me believe the Bible is the truth? Then I realized, because my father told me, that was the day I decided. I was going to study the word for myself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that was small. When you realize that it was a little girl that made Peter to say that he did not know Jesus. You know, sometimes when people fall into temptation, it's not big elephant temptation. It's just maybe somebody asking you, as old as you are, you don't have a boyfriend. You know that word can haunt you, can torment you, can make you reason your life, can make you reason your Christian faith, can make you think, am I normal? Will I be normal? Can I still be normal? And just so don't feel that the devil is going to come and just no 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 no. It's somebody who's just going to take you out. I, I know it's not him, I know it's just small, it's just small, it's small like this. Because defending our faith in a world that is in darkness makes you an endangered species. There are people here who really want to serve God. The problem they have is how can my friends know that I'm this committed? That's just the problem. So you understand that the resurrection of Jesus was doubted. It was fought against. Let's read some scriptures. Let's read some scriptures. <laughs> Do you realize that even the disciples of Jesus had doubt with the resurrection? Luke chapter 12. Let me show you something. <laughs> you know, I just bought a book now. It's three volumes that traces The miracles of Jesus proves them scientifically and archaeologically. It's written by a man called Dr. Craig I mean, I've seen miracles. I've I've laid hands on people and I've seen miracles. But I'm very also much interested in studying the facts about the miracles of Jesus. You see, we live in an unbelieving world. We live in a world that is against the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We live in a world that will push us to our limits. And if we're not convinced of this faith, I can challenge you that seated here today, you know people who were on fire for God many years ago who probably are not even going to church. Who probably have accepted one kind of theology or the other who probably have accepted something that made their faith to works good. Are you still here? If we're going to be on fire for God yes, to come, it has to move beyond our emotions. We have to be convinced of what we've believed. Praise God. Are you there in Luke chapter 12? Are you there? Say amen. Say something. Alright. Um, I want us to, to read something here. Uh let's now let's go to let's go to Matthew first of all. we will come back to Luke. let's go to Matthew chapter twenty seven. Let's go to matthew twenty seven please. let me show you something there first matthew twenty seven and um, let's go to verse fifty five. Let's go to verse fifty five matthew twenty seven fifty five and we're going to stop at verse. Um, let me see where we'll now. Let's go to verse 55. It says, When it was evening, no, many women were there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee while ministering to him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Now, uh, I have a lot of scriptures here, but because of my time, I'll not be able to read them to you. But you would realize that actually... Or women stayed more with Jesus at the cross and they were the first to proclaim his resurrection. That's why I wrote that little book. Um, What's the title of that book I wrote now? Relevant for God's Eternal Purpose. You know, sometimes, even in the body of Christ, even as women, we really do not see ourselves in the light of how God sees us. You realize that at the cross of Jesus... Significantly, women accompanied him closer to the cross. In fact, uh, John's rendering of that said that at the foot of the cross, it was women that were with him. And then when you read also in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, you would also find that most of the financial partners of Jesus were women. And that's why I always tell pastors, it's very important, that if women believe in your ministry, you will be really blessed. Because a woman can make the husband bless you. I tell you. <laughs> but no matter how the man likes you, if the woman does not like you, <laughs> there goes your tithe and your offering. But let's go to verse, uh, let's keep reading. Go to verse chapter 28 now. Now, okay, let's, let's go gradually. Go to, let's just read actually. Verse 57 When it was evening there came a rich man from Arimathea Named Joseph who had himself had also become a disciple of Jesus This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen cloth And laid it in his own new tomb Which he has hewn out in the rock And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb And went away uh, You realize that the Jesus The disciples of Jesus did not demand for his body Right This man did and Mary Magdalene was there. Mary Magdalene was there. And the other Mary sitting opposite the grave. At, at this time, the disciples were afraid. 62. Now on the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. Look at verse 63. And said, Sir, we remember. Look at this. We remember. They're talking about Jesus now that when he was still alive, that deceiver. Can you see the phrase they used for Jesus? Come on, everybody. Can you see the phrase they used for Jesus? What did they say about Jesus? That deceiver. So you must understand that they saw Jesus as a criminal. They saw him as a deceiver. They didn't see him as a savior. They didn't see him as a savior. Look at what he says. He says, sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I am to rise again. They took notes of those words and they called him a deceiver. That's what the deceiver said. Then he says, therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come And steal him away and say to people, he had risen from the dead. Can you see what they were trying to prevent? They were trying to prevent the fact that the resurrection of Jesus would actually happen. So they actually went to the government and said, you know what? That deceiver said he was going to rise again. Let's prevent that from happening. So guard the grave. So that his disciples would not proclaim that he is risen. That's the extent they went to ensure that Jesus <laughs> did not rise from the grave. And, and so you see why the resurrection is a big deal. Now go on. It says, verse 64, Therefore give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal him away and say to people, He has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Hey, don't rush over those scriptures. That means everything Jesus did for three and a half years, the Jews thought he was a deceiver. So they said, if we allow those disciples to steal his body, he says his last deception will be worse than his first day. Can you see how they saw Jesus? Do you realize there are people alive today that still think that Jesus is a deceiver? There are people alive today that still think we are, we have been brainwashed. There are people who think, how can you believe, and and I don't have the time, maybe we'll do it in one school of doctrine, people actually say this all the time, which is interesting because if they studied more, they would know a little bit more better. People always say that Christianity is a white man's religion. Do you realize if you study the scriptures, you would find more African involvement in scriptures than America, than Britain. You would find African names, you would find, well, you won't see Jumbo, but you would find African names, praise God. You would you would realize that on the day of Pentecost, an Ethiopian was at the feast. And you will realize that on the when he was coming from the... Jesus, God himself, personally sent Philip to preach the gospel and the message to the Ethiopian eunuch. So the man brought that gospel to Africa way before the white man came in. When Jesus was to be killed by Herod, he was sent to Egypt. Egypt is not... I mean, if your geography is correct. And you see, people push this narrative to make you feel feel foolish. Look at what it says. It says, otherwise his disciples may come and steal him away and say to people, he has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. So the Jews saw that what Jesus was doing, he was a deceiver. They saw him as a deceiver. That is why Paul was big on the resurrection. Because if they could prove that the resurrection was not true, then there was no faith. Look at what he said. And today, how do we apply it to our lives today? There are many people who think that your commitment to God is because you're deceived. You know, even when it comes to giving, people feel it's because you're not wise that's why you give. They feel you are not wise. That's why you're still committed to the standards of God. And if you watch our lives gradually, we've allowed society to redirect everything we do because we don't want to appear foolish. We don't want to appear deceived. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you still there? Now, verse 65, Pilate said said to them, "You you have a God. Go make it as secure as you know how. That is why you realize, let me go ahead of myself, that's why you realize that when after Jesus had risen, you know what happened? They came and bribed the guards to go and tell a lie that the disciples stole his body until today. That lie is still found in the Jews. That his body was stolen. There are people today in Israel that still believe that the body of Jesus was stolen. And let me, let me shock you. In today's Israel, Few people are Christians. The average Israelite does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And I was reading something, well, I don't believe what I read on social media until I make my own research, so I'm still investigating it, about them trying to pass a bill that will outlaw the teaching about Jesus in Israel. And it's very possible for them to do that because they consider Jesus as one of the prophets. They don't consider him as the Messiah. They are still waiting for the Messiah as we speak. And meanwhile, you with all the knowledge you have will take your money and go there every year. When Paul says you are the true Israel of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I don't have anything against traveling to those places. And like I said, I I, I would love to travel to those places just to put a sense to some of the things I teach, but not because I feel that Israel is more holy than Bonnie Island. A thousand times no. The scripture doesn't teach us, the scripture does not teach us that doesn't teach us that. Praise the name of the Lord. Now go on. And they went and made the, the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Let's read quickly. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and other Mary came to look at the grave. Can you see how committed these women were to the ministry of Jesus? Hmm? Come on. Can you see this? Now I have a whole list of scriptures here. I'm going to give it to Pastor Mary to put on your women's group so that you guys can read it up. Hmm? How women were committed to the ministry of Jesus. Did they have husbands? They had. Did they have children? They had. Jesus was at the cross. They were there. First day of the week, they went to make sure the body was anointed. Mary Magdalene, seven demons were casted out of her and she still followed Jesus like that. You see, God did not save you to live for yourself. There is a life of the kingdom. Every believer, you see, (laughs) every believer must check his kingdom commitments. You must check. Marriage shouldn't stop your commitment to the things of God. Marriage shouldn't make you prayerless. It shouldn't make you less committed. You should never be a believer that used to say, I used to pray. In those days when we used to serve God, that's an anathema. It's a curse. Don't say that. Your life ought to go brighter and brighter, not just your money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My greatest passion now is for people to finish the faith strong. Because I see a lot of distraction coming. Even, even, even as ministers of the gospel, there's a the tendency to keep toning down the word, come on, reducing what we preach. Are you following what I'm saying? Teaching what people like. Sometimes teaching what people like does not necessarily mean you're watering down the message. It just means you're not big on doctrine. How many of you realize the church we all grew up in who were big on doctrine? Yeah. And I, and I give the example all the time. We can we can call a group of Christians and just ask them what's the atonement. What's justification? Prove to us that Jesus is Lord. And they can hardly do that. Because again, they're not taught. <laughs> you know why I was preparing for <laughs> Interesting. Well, I was praying for the message. So I was struggling a bit. because was struggling a bit. So I was reading. I was just telling Pastor Murray. So he said, ah. Say so if you are not ready, no problem." You know, of course, you was joking. See, so when you go there, just tell them. As Jesus rose from the dead, whatever is holding you bound, I say you will rise. I say, and you know it will work. Oh, you know it will work. But do you realize that if you think the resurrection of Jesus is just so that your needs will be met? you have not understood the gospel. Do you think the resurrection was just... And and I'm going to read something to you, and I I will read that to you, how all the apostles died. Right? We're just going to go through how the apostles died. Why will they die for a man who did not rise from the dead? Why will they defend his resurrection with their life? What is it about the the resurrection of Jesus that the apostles were not willing to let go? Okay? So let's read quickly. Verse 2. And behold, and I like this, a severe earthquake had occurred. (laughs) You know that you can guide against everything. You can't guide against earthquake, right? I mean, I'm sure the the soldiers that were at the grave of Jesus will just be like, ah, who sent us on duty today? Thank God for the Lord. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And I like the concept of sitting upon it. It's like, this is the stone. Oh yeah, come and take it. I like that concept. These angels were smart. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Look at who they sent. took. And that's why, no matter how much money you have, be, be quoting Psalm 91. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I always tell people that when some kind of robbers come, not to your house, when some kind of robbers come to certain houses, is the security man that will open the door and say, come here. Come here. But when they see the key, they'll just say, Sir, who do you want the key first? Is it man, man? We have security, we have security. No, look at security that they paid. No, you, you, did you not read verse 66? Look at verse 66. Go back again. Chapter 27, 66. And they went. Oh, no, 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 no. 65. Pilate said to them, Pilate was the ruler, you have a gang. go and make it as secure as you know how. Hmm? That is, to the best of your ability, can you, can you pick that? To the best of your ability, secure the grave. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. That means it was their best technology. But thank God for earthquake. (laughs) Verse 2, an earthquake occurred. We have used two verses to read how they secured the grave. We've used one line to read how the grave opened. Alright? Verse verse 4, The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. The angel addressed the women, Do not be afraid the first people that preached the gospel was, were women. Hmm? That's why when God has called you to minister as a woman, you, it's not necessary to just be preaching about relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You preach gospel, gospel. Not just relationship. Don't restrict your calling to the prevailing circumstance. Singles mingle. No. Is okay, we can do that, but there is a God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if we actually believe and act on the gospel, we will have healthy relationships. Are you following what I'm saying? Gospel. Look at this. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Is somebody enjoying this tonight? All right. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. Glory to God. Come on, somebody say amen. He says he is not here for he has risen How, just as he said. Do you remember what we read before now, chapter 27? Why the religious, you remember what we read when we started? If the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. Right? Then they came to Jesus and said that deceiver said he would rise on the third day. Then look at what the angel said. He said he is not here. For he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, how many of you can say amen for the resurrection of Jesus? says, go quickly. So they were the first ones commissioned and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, we'll talk about this. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. So he says, you know what? Go and tell his disciples that he is risen. But I am going ahead. He will be going ahead. He's going to show himself. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to his disciples. I can imagine this, what these women went through. I'm telling you. And behold, Jesus met them, and greeted them, and they came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren. Do you realize that after Jesus had resurrected, he calls them my brethren. He says, go take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Praise the name of the Lord. Go to verse 11. Now while they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest all that had happened. So the guard went back to the chief priest and said, you know what? <laughs> the man has left. He has gone. It's like you put a security man, then he's the one that reports to you that what you said is your guard has been stolen. <laughs> And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, look at this. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. They knew they could not deny the truth anymore. So they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say. You see, that's why money is needed to advance the gospel because a lot of lies are built on finances. How many of you remember, or well, you know quite all right, that most of these African countries that have not agreed to pass these um, homosexual laws and all of that, what, what is it that the foreign countries always say? We will deny you some money. Yeah. I remember that time we were doing a couple of things in the NGO. There were a few of our guys who started doing this right thing. And some of them, when they started working with this organization, they were well-paid, solid cars, gave them comfort. Even though you don't believe it in your heart, when you see the kind of comfort that they're giving. And that's why you see that we, believers need, you see, when it comes to funding the gospel, the believers should know that there is a mission, there is a course. It's not just about, if I give to God, what will God give me? No, there is a truth that needs to get out there. There is a word, there is a message that needs to be preached. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and verse 13, and say, you were to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ear, we would win him over and keep you out of trouble. Can you see how connected these people were to promote a life? And they took the money and did as they have been instructed. You know, when people talk about bribery and corruption and all of this, they make it look like it started here. It's not today people started taking money to twist stories. This was in Jesus' days. And I'm sure some of these soldiers attended the service. So they took money and did as they had been instructed. Look at this sad part of it. And this story was widely spread among the Jews. Look at the next line. And is to this day. The money they gave these disciples the, sorry, they gave these soldiers sustained a life for over 2,000 years till today. Do you realize that if these soldiers have just said, you know what, we're not taking this money, this man rose from the dead, that whole lie would not have been believed till today. You see, when you shut your mouth from proclaiming the truth, you keep people in darkness. That's why we must never compromise the truth. Because we want to be accepted. We must never compromise the truth because we want to be uh, popular. We must never compromise the truth because we want more, more money. No! If something is the truth as written in the scriptures, we must be bold to declare it, praise God. Bold to say Bold to teach it. I remember, <laughs> a dear friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, right? Uh, when I was teaching on the Antichrist, so I shared some truth some with him. He just said something. He said, "Ah, don't, don't teach it like this. So he said, then he said something. He said, you know, God is beginning to open doors for you now. He said, "And some of those people will listen to this message and they will not invite you again. I said, that's the more reason we need to teach it. And I can tell you today that there are many ministers who know the truth, who will not proclaim it because of presumed doors that will be shut. So you need to ask yourself, why will you keep God's people in ignorance just because of your personal comfort? Or do you want to tell me that these ministers don't read these books, don't read these scriptures? One of the easiest things that will make you distort truth in your life is money. And that is why every child of God must conquer the love of money. How many people know that? You, you know, how many people know that sometimes you tell, you know, people know that this is what I should do. But, once that but starts entering, they are off. There are many people walking out of the will of God for their lives because of money. Walking out of where God placed them. Walking out of the assignment God has placed in their life. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's why we must tell ourselves that this truth is what our life. Is what our life, praise the name of the Lord, is what defending, is what standing by. Can you say amen? Are you getting blessed? Alright. Just laying some foundations here. Now, I'm going to put up this whole scripture about women, put it up somewhere so you guys can pick it. Now, go to... Uh, I, I, I'll talk about the proof of his resurrection, but our time is up. I just want to read... I'll talk about the, the, some of the theories. I'll pick up from here tomorrow evening, some of, the, some of the theories that um, people talk about, about the resurrection of Jesus. I, I, I'd like you to just follow me as I build this gradually, because what I want to do in this Easter weekend is show you from scriptures why the resurrection of Jesus was important. I know we all know that he had risen. But I want to show you from scriptures, the fight, the battle against resurrection. That is why Paul now says, listen, I don't want to know anything among you except what? Christ. His crucifixion. Don't tell me stories. We we, we are believers today who know many things, but they cannot live for the cross. How many of you know the life of the cross is not a comfortable life? I think one of the greatest disservice we do sometimes is to feel like becoming a Christian will make life easy. Not necessarily. Your choices will be affected. Your lifestyle will be affected. There are things a believer should be able to say, you know what, I can't say this, I can't wear this, I can't do this, I can't get involved in this. Why? I don't have to give you a reason. I'm a child of God. He was risen so I could not live for myself alone, but live for him. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, why is it that the apostles defended this truth with their life? I just want to read how the apostles died. All 12 of them. And then tomorrow we'll talk about some of the things that people started promoting against the resurrection. So, Peter. Peter. Now, Now, let me just read this whole book. It's called evidence of the resurrection of Christ, the martyrdom of the apostles. If the resurrection of Christ was merely a fairy tale, why would every one of the apostles go to an early grave for a lie? Experience tells us that whenever there is a conspiracy, someone will always break. Right? So the, the argument is, how will 12 people all agree to die for the truth? If it was a lie, at least somebody would just say, you know what, you know what, you know what, it's okay, it's okay. It's a lie. How many of you have watched all those, all those movies, right? Where all the soldiers would be sent on a mission and they would catch one. And after a while, after a lot of torture, that one would just say, it's okay. This is where the thing is. That's what the, the author is saying. That Experience tells us that whenever there's a conspiracy, someone always breaks. This is especially the case where the indictment starts flying and the person knows they're going to serve some time. Someone will break, they would always do. And when the first person does break, others will follow because everyone is out trying to save their own skin. Similarly, if the apostles had stolen the body, why wouldn't they have broken the code of silence and simply confessed the truth? We stole the body, they could have said. And I'll tell you where it is. But this did not happen. That means, Jesus actually rose from the dead that none of the apostles could actually say, you know what guys? He didn't rise. They went through torture. For the works. I want you to see the foundation of our faith. So when we talk about persecution today, it's not that somebody took your, your pen and did not return it. You know, the thing we call persecution today is interesting. <laughs> or you were praying loud. Somebody now say, reduce your voice. So oh, they are persecuting me for righteousness' sake. <laughs> He says, in fact, the apostles not only heard to their story, they even died for it. As we look over church history and tradition, every single apostle, with the exception of John, died gruesome and painful death because they confessed the truth of the resurrected Christ. Let me tell you something. All the apostles were not killed just because of the message they were preaching in that sense. They were killed because in their message contained the fact that Jesus rose. Alright? So, Apostle Peter. In Rome, Peter was severely scourged and then crucified upside down. He requested to be crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to die in the same manner as as his Lord. Alright? We've got like 10 minutes. Let's go through this gradually. How many of you have... Maybe I'll talk about that tomorrow if if the Lord leads me in that direction. How many of you have... How many of you have taken time to study, not in details, the the crucifixion of Jesus? Have you you taken that? Let me see your hand. You've just taken time to to study. Okay. This is what I want you to do. We all have internet. Alright? Just put online. Don't put the crucifixion of Jesus. Okay? If you put the crucifixion of Jesus, there will be a religious mindset towards your study. Just put uh, the crucifixion in Roman history. Read how the crucifixion was done in history. Don't put Jesus. Because what you're going to have is Christian articles will come out. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Go and study how crucifixion is. The way you have studied crucifixion, then put Jesus inside. Because if if you put Jesus in front of that, you would have more of Christian writers. I want you to read history. What crucifixion is. Now, when you understand how intense crucifixion is, to now realize that Peter said, I feel unworthy to be crucified like Jesus. So, crucify me upside down. If you understand how bad it is to even be crucified straight. To now reverse the position will tell you that Jesus rose. Are you hearing? Look at what Peter said, that I feel unworthy to be crucified like my master, so turn me upside down. So that's an assignment. We'll talk about that tomorrow. So we'll just go study on the crucifixion. Hmm? Andrew, the brother of Peter, Andrew was martyred in Patra, Acha. It was there that he was born to an X-shaped cross and crucified. He preached to his persecutors until he died. So um, Andrew was crucified in a cross. You know, the cross of Jesus was like this, right? Andrew's cross was X. So they ensured his leg was well spread. They ensured his hand was well spread. And while they were doing that to him, he was preaching. How many of you think you will remember to preach when they are tying your hands? See, I, I want us to get the... That's what I want us to have in this Insta, Insta conference. The foundation of our faith. Tied to an next cross. Even if they will tell you now that we just want to tie you to that chair, there will be trouble. As you have tied me, so God, we tie all your generation. You know, we are, we are quick to lay courses we are quick <laughs> James, the son of Zebedee the first of the apostles to be martyred. James' death is the only martyrdom of the apostles mentioned in the New Testament he was the first to die, Acts chapter 12 verse 2, remember we read that always in church here, yeah? when he died, they now took hold of Peter until the church prayed, so it was Herod that killed uh, James okay Herod, Herod Agrippa won, the grandson of Herod the great, was the one that killed um, killed James John, the brother of James so, tradition tells us John was put... So, John, the brother of James, is the one that wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And then also wrote the book of Revelation. So, the theological history has it that he was put in a pot of oil, but he wasn't burnt. That's, that's big. He was put in a pot of oil and he wasn't burnt. So, because that oil didn't kill him, they threw him to the Isle of Patmos. Now, they did not throw him to the Isle of Patmos for vacation to write the book of Revelation. It was a wide island. They just felt, you know what? Animals will kill you there. And this man had such a walk with God that immediately he landed. God started speaking to him to write the book of Revelation. He wrote the book of Revelation with wild animals. I usually don't like cats. I know some people do, but I don't like cats. And sometimes I go to East Africa and they always have cats like in the restaurants because they do a lot of meat. And I know that when I'm eating, I have one eye on my meat. And as a spiritually strong man, I have one eye looking around. You know, when the cats start coming and raising, it's very uncomfortable. Right? So sometimes my host will help me to drive the cat. I do just like that. And they are very funny. If you throw food fire away for them, they will pick it and now come close. You want to eat it close to you say, can't you guys just obey simple instruction? eat there. You know, so I'm wondering, imagine writing in the midst of not a restaurant. Come on, saints. In the midst of wild animals, it's like you were thrown to the nature park to die. That's nice, it's a nice place. But you were thrown there to die. The first thought that I was thrown here to die. You know, maybe, everybody, maybe you learn What is your first thought? Do you want to hear? I was on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. No, you want to look for a route out, you want to start complaining. In fact, when you now hear, Write a letter to the disciples. I'm not writing anything. It is church matter that brought me to to Patmos. (laughs) There are many people who are offended at God because of what they are going through, not knowing that if they go through whatever they are going through with the right heart, sometimes the greatest revelation to heal the body of Christ will come out from them. Not that God intended for that situation to be in their lives, but if they had the right heart and say, in the midst of all this, I will not allow my faith to be tampered with, then that power, that resurrection life would work in us. And see, a whole book, 22 chapters, came out of a man who was thrown to the island of Patmos to die. I'll ask you something tonight before we conclude. What will you go through in this life that will make you drop your faith? What will it be? What's your price? You know when you watch mafia movies, right? And they come and say, yeah, this guy is no budging. They say, every man has a price. What's your price? Is it marriage? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it popularity? Is it just wanting people not to laugh at you? What's your price? <laughs> These disciples didn't have a price. Philip, the apostle was martyred in Heliopolis. He was cursed and later crucified. Bat-lumi. According to the martyrdom of said he was put in a sack and thrown into the sea. All right? Now you have two stories about Batlomi. Some says he was crucified upside down. So Bat-lumi's, um you have two reports about him. Thomas. Now this apostle of Christ was killed in India with a lance that ran through his body. So Apostle Thomas actually went to India. Um, did a great work in India. Matthew the Tacholeto. Matthew was slain in Ethiopia. James the son of Alphaeus. The Apostle James was stoned and then beaten to death with a club. Judas, uh, son of Thamis, that's Padeus. Church tradition is not clear on the martyrdom of this apostle. Alright? Now, Simon the Zealot, the reports of church history tell us that Simon was crucified after preaching the gospel. If the resurrection was a lie, if the resurrection was a fabrication, don't you think at least one of these apostles would have said, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Don't tell them I told you. It's just between you and me. But the man did not rise. If you were facing death, wouldn't you lie to save your own life? Especially if that thing was not true. But not one of the apostles changed their story. Why? It was because they could not deny the fact that Jesus was actually risen. And, Saints, I tell you, if Jesus is alive, then there's a whole lot that can go right in your life. If these apostles did not deny Jesus, then we have no reason, we have absolutely no reason to go back on the faith. What I'm trusting to achieve as your pastor in these three days is to push enough of this truth in your heart in such a way that we are deepened in our conviction of Christ. We make our commitment that to the end of our life, we stay committed to the cross of Christ. Can you come up quickly? Can we just sing something very briefly? Let's stand on our faith. Just a recommitment to the Lord. Just a recommitment. Just a recommitment. Let's do this in a few minutes. Just a recommitment. We're not going to go back. Oh, we're not going to go back. (laughs) We're not going to go back. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are with the Lord. But we're not going to go back. We're not going to go back. We're not going to go back. Just make that commitment in your heart tonight. Even if there are areas you're slacking, just tell yourself, no, I'm not.
1: Jesus paid it all. Oh, to him my own. Thank
0: you Lord Jesus
1: Seen, left a crimson stain. He was,
0: while crimson they're singing just just think stone. just think and reflect over your life
1: Jesus paid it all.
0: He deserves our all. He deserves our all. All to him my all. Why don't you make a commitment to God tonight? Stain. He Maybe you've been running away from God. Maybe you've been having struggles serving God. Tonight is your night. Jesus paid Jesus it, it all, all with His blood. All to Him I owe. Oh,
1: yeah. Sin had left a crimson stain. He was.
0: White One more time as as Jesus, as Jesus, it up. Jesus made it all. Jesus How many of us are grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus? My Thank you that we can accept he that sacrifice. He as as I want us to live as here as tonight. As he with a commitment to
1: Jesus.
0: I want you to live here with a commitment to Jesus. And if you're not born again, there's an opportunity for you to do that to accept the Lord Jesus into your life. And it's very simple. You believe the sacrifice, you believe that Jesus died and he rose. You ask him into your life. You receive his life into your life, and you become his child. Or maybe you've walked away from the Lord. You discover you're slacking in your commitments. You just want to feel comfortable among your friends, even though they are not born again. Or maybe your faith is challenged. Why don't you make a U-turn tonight? Then this Easter weekend, let it be a weekend. Where you recommit and say, Lord Jesus. One more time. Let's just take it higher a bit. Come on. Jesus paid God is not counting your sins against you. He's paid the price. He's paid the price. All to Him I owe.
1: Yes, Jesus. One more time Jesus for the last time. Jesus,
0: Jesus it it all
1: all all to him I, all all to him I has left us crimson stained. He, he was feet white as snow.
0: When we come to him, he his blood is rich enough. To make us white as snow.
1: snow. Father, we
0: thank you. We ask, Lord Jesus Christ, that every heart rededicated to you, that God, that fire starts tonight, will not end. Your grace will abide. Your grace will strengthen us. We'll be a people of conviction.